is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 555, recorded Thursday, October 14th, 2021. 555? That's a neat round number. <laughs> well, it's like a bunch of fives, right? It's a whole load of fives. Yeah, it's as many yeah. fives as we could fit in this uh, episode number. It, it sure is. It's all the fives. It's all the fives. That's right. Yeah, 555, everybody. It's it's fun. Um, so here we are. It is our last podcast covering the first block of season 11 of, of The Walking Dead. This is, of course, the feedback show, and we are going to get into your emails and calls in just a minute. But I do actually want to do something a little unusual here and, and kick off with a little bit of Walking Dead news. Oh, okay. And the reason for that is that when we were recording the recap episode a few nights ago, towards the end, we were talking about when Walking Dead would return and speculating and some things like that. And had I checked my Walking Dead news alerts before we had recorded that episode, I would have known that AMC announced when The Walking Dead will be returning just after the broadcast of of episode eight. So, but this was announced before we recorded. Correct. Yes, it was. We didn't know about it and we don't have a full-time producer that can write something on a piece of paper and hand it to you. And so you could say this just in and then state whatever it is. So we, yeah, don't, yeah. we don't have that. We're, you know, we're flying by the seat of our pants here. Right. We, we only have you as the, as the producer. And if you're already talking about something, uh, it's too late to look shit up. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. We didn't, we don't have like a breaking news bulletin, uh, and, or anything like that. Someone monitoring the news. No. So, you know, we were coming off the long weekend and I hadn't looked at the news alerts and I, we just, I just went ahead figuring, you know what, this, this will be fine. Anyways. AMC announced it, so I am here to report that The Walking Dead, Season 11, Episode 9, which will be the next episode, will premiere on February the 20th, 2022. Oh, wow. And so we were far off. I mean, we were saying, like, you know, February, maybe early March. Uh, I think we we pretty much nailed it anyways, but that's well, we're the thinking. Date. I was thinking end of January, early February, because usually The Walking Dead starts about now runs until mid-November, and then they take a break till February. Yeah, that's right. right. So I was thinking maybe they'd hopefully go a little bit early. Uh, I was hoping for before Christmas, but you yeah. know, realistically, at our conversation, I was thinking uh, late January, early February, but it's late February. Yeah, it's late February the 20th, um, but that's okay. I mean, that's that's not bad. That means it'll run through, obviously, March and at least part of April. So we'll get the second mid-season finale in sometime in April. Um, and I also have the synopsis here from AMC, the official synopsis for season 11B. So I'm going to read that right now, and hopefully it doesn't spoil anything enormous. Okay, we, yeah, okay, spoiler we'll find, alert. We'll yeah. find out. <laughs> so this is what AMC says. 
This February, The Walking Dead returns with many of our heroes fighting imminent hellfire under Reaper attack, while others battle Mother Nature's torrential wrath in Alexandria. For all, their world is literally crashing down around them. Meanwhile, life in the Commonwealth is not as idyllic as it seems. For some, hope will be renewed. Others will be pushed past the point of no return. One truth holds tight. Lives hang in the balance, and each decision drastically changing their future, their chances of survival, and the state of each community. Yeah, okay. Sounds like real life. <laughs> Lives but, uh, hang in the balance with each decision. Except for that hellfire thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of is what you'd expect. It sort of summarizes where we're at and what's happening, I suppose. But... Uh, no matter what, we will be able to watch it when it premieres again on February the 20th, 2022. And of course, it'll be available a week before on AMC+. Plus. So for people like you and me and anyone else who has AMC+, Plus, we'll be watching it, uh, if we want to, a week early. Not me. I don't have AMC+. Plus. Oh, sorry. I do. Okay. I, use, I still use iTunes and have to watch, uh, I have to watch it on a schedule. Oh. Make sure I get it get it done in time for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know that's a, a thing for you. It's just more convenient for me to have the flexibility of watching it throughout the week, making my notes, and then getting ready. So, is there anything else on AMC Plus that's worthwhile, or is it just the, the Walking Dead? Well, it's all of the AMC content. So for now, no, nothing else really. <laughs> okay. Well, Actually, I shouldn't say that. Like other AMC shows that I've that I'm into, um, I've already seen. So. Maybe in the future there will be something. I don't know. But for now, it's all about Walking Dead for me. You said Why the Last Man is coming, right? Yeah, that's not AMC, though. That's, that's out. not AMC? No. It's, it, that's available now. I, I'm not even sure who broadcasts that, to be honest. I haven't seen oh, it I yet. Thought, I thought you said it was AMC, but I guess I'm wrong. No. No, I don't believe so. Uh, all right. One other news item here. Um, sort of at the same time, AMC announced some minor details on the new anthology series tales of the walking dead that's uh, still happening yeah that's happening uh i'll be honest with you i'm more interested in this show than i am the carol and daryl variety hour that's coming up um yep. so i want to thank listener cat who's in nova scotia for sending this in to me but apparently amc has ordered six episodes of the anthology so not a lot and it will air next summer on AMC and AMC Plus. So they're going to go into production kind of early in the new year and have six episodes done for air in the summer. They say it will feature both new and existing characters, and it will be show run by Channing Powell, who has previously been a writer and a producer on Walking Dead and Fear. So someone familiar with the universe. And of course, he'll be working closely with uh, Scott Gimple, who runs yeah, it all. Well, that's, that's, that could be good. Yeah, I, I actually think that will be good. Like six episodes isn't too much. We get six kind of fun, cool, self-contained stories, many with characters we know, maybe a few new ones. I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. And you can sort of see what AMC is doing now when you figure that, you know, World Beyond and Fear are back on right now. World Beyond season two, which there will only be two seasons. And then... Fear uh, Season 7A, which is happening right now. Those are going to run through till December. Then we get our sort of normal break. Walking Dead comes back in February, runs through sometime until April. And maybe, 
maybe Fear Season 7B comes back then in April and runs into the summer. Following that, we get uh, we get the Tales of the Walking Dead probably in July and August, which will lead us right back into Walking Dead Season 11C next fall and wrapping it up in the fall sometime. So we're going to have Walking Dead on almost all the time, except for the break over Christmas, it seems like. Uh, yeah, it sure seems like it. And I got, I got to tell you, this, uh, you know, overlapping shows that are scheduled out, you got to, you have to draw a chart. Just, you know, you, you definitely described the timeline, but my brain started glossing over and uh, <laughs> I didn't quite catch all of it. You know, depicting it on a chart, showing exactly what show is going to be airing when over a timeline. Yep. Uh, it just, it reminded me of my day job and uh, it started putting me to sleep almost immediately. I hear you. Just the, the thought of so much content over such a period of time that needs to be like obviously scheduled out so that, uh, uh, you know, you don't have stuff overlapping when it shouldn't. Obviously there, there's people spending a lot of time on uh, on making sure this is all planned out and all these different projects and shows interact in a, in a, in a, in a decent way. But, uh, there's a lot of content that needs to be scheduled. It just makes me tired. There really is. I'll create a Gantt chart of walking dead shows as they're on. Um, and then th- what this really means though, Jason, is that there is no chance that we are going to have any trouble getting to episode 600 of this podcast, because if we cover, I mean, the rest of season 11, Fear, World Beyond, Tales, and who knows when the Carol and Daryl show will be on. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing this forever, I think. Yeah, it's almost as bad as Marvel. Like, <laughs> oh my God, keeping up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is exhausting. A little uh, bit, especially since they branched out into TV, yeah. Yeah, there's all the TV shows. There's, uh, uh, you know, there's old TV shows that you could, like there was uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I watched the, bi- the beginning of. But I, I don't know if I could go back and, and watch all of that. There's like four or five seasons of that. More uh, than that, I think. Uh, yeah, a lot. A hundred episodes, whatever it is. There's a lot. And I don't know. I mean, Agent Carlson, love the guy. I love that actor. I loved him and everything he's done. But that's a hell of a commitment. So, and all these shows coming out and the movies and, oh my God, there's more movies coming out. The Eternals is coming out. Isn't is that is that's coming out soon, right? Very, very, very soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's... Uh, it causes me anxiety because you know me when I don't watch something, I see shit on the internet because people want to be, Hey, check this out. And uh, it just drives me crazy. So I got to stay <laughs> on top of all this shit. Now there's like at least one movie out there that I haven't seen. And now there's going to be another one. Uh, and I haven't even watched, uh, you know, Miss, Miss Marple's and the winter soldier, whatever that's called. <laughs> I haven't even seen all of that. Anyway, it, it, well, there's too much it's, good it content. It causes me stress, Chris. It causes me stress. So I'm you. glad and thankful for you staying on top of this shit well, for me and at least helping me plan out, uh, you know, what we're going to watch uh, when. Well, I, I do my best, um, at least when it comes to Walking Dead stuff. So we appreciate got, it. We got lots coming up. And speaking of things coming up, how about we transition now into the feedback? Surely. Listener feedback. All right. So just before we begin, the ratings numbers for episode eight, which was called Four Blood, were 1.91 million people, which uh, is up a little bit. But that, that actually only ties this episode for third place amongst the 
eight season 11 episodes so far. Third place ain't nothing to sneeze at. That's a bronze medal. Yeah. That's a bronze medal. Should we, you know, speaking of bronze medals, uh, you think of hockey and the Olympics and uh, you win a game for gold and you win a game for bronze. Yeah. You lose a game for silver. It's such a sad thing. And it makes me sad that, uh, uh, it seems more of an achievement to get bronze than it does to get silver. It is, but I mean, there's no other way to do it. It's a it's a team sport where you play against another team. There has to be a winner. There has to be a loser. And the more time that goes by, I believe silver medalists appreciate it more. But I understand in the moment, it feels like you lost and you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway. It's you, too bad. It's sad. But third place ain't nothing to sneeze at. It's still an achievement. Not at all. Fur Blood comes in third, tied with one of the other ones. I forget which one now, but in any case, bronze medal. Don't you tie for fourth then? It goes first, second, fourth? Well, I don't know. I, I forget how that works. All right. We can figure that out later. Let us start with an email from Robert in Blue Springs, Missouri. And Robert says, holy crap. Did Monica from the Feedback Podcast spoil the season finale? Uh-oh. I believe she did. So Robert is referring to a call we played from listener Monica on last week's feedback show. And I went back and listened to Monica's call, which I I don't have here. But here's the thing, Jason. I don't know. Do you remember Monica's call? No, not at all. All But I will once you describe it to me. Well, she totally did spoil the finale, but I don't believe it was intentional. She said things like, of course, Leah is going to kill Pope. And of course, it's uh, she's not going to run off with Daryl and leave her family. And she talked about how uh, Daryl has his family, too, and they're they're opposing and stuff like that. So everything she said was extremely accurate. And I I don't think it was intentional. I certainly hope it wasn't intentional, but I think Monica is just an extremely good TV analyst and was able to predict exactly what was happening on the show. I believe we should now refer to her as the Oracle. (laughs) Monica, the Oracle. All right. Just the Oracle. Everybody knows it's Monica. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, I just wanted to point that out that I guess if you were, if we were paying attention, she called it and we kind of knew exactly or she said exactly what was going to happen. Uh, luckily, I wasn't thinking about that when I watched it. Nothing was actually spoiled for me, but uh, thanks, Robert, for pointing that out. And thank you, Oracle, for being so um, so enlightened. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Next, we have a call from Paul, y'all. Hi, guys. It's Paul from Sly Go in Ireland. Sly, as in the fox, and Go like go away if you think that was a good episode omg the big bad he turns out to not be that good and he gets stabbed in the back of his stupid beanie cross baseball hat seen it before using your herd to attack what's it called meridian but it looks a bit like a cross between alexandra and hilltop seen it before the sniper in the tower seen it before the storm the big bad storm seen it before it was rubbish it was absolute rubbish we wasted we wasted how many episodes on the reapers and they are crap 
Okay? They're absolute crap. I couldn't care less if Maggie gets hit by the watcher. I'd prefer if Negan survived and Maggie was shot by several of the watcher arrows, the miraculous firework arrows. Oh my God. This is a problem with The Walking Dead, okay? When they move away from the actual source material, it's rubbish. Now, there have been some times when it's been okay, but mainly it's rubbish. The Whisperers are in the comics. The Whisperers were brilliant. It was handled fantastically on the show. All props to, to Angela Kang. It was brilliant. But this, this is pathetic. Have a great holiday season. Have a wonderful Christmas. And we'll see you in the new year. All right. Thank you, Paul. Uh, but, you know, tell us how you really feel about it. Yeah, he was mincing his words there. I don't uh, I don't quite understand uh, if you liked the episode or not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure. Uh what do you what do you think about the um about the show being a bit repetitive? I, I think we've sort of talked about this before with the rinse and repeat villains a little bit, but you know, he listed off things like the big storm, seen it before, sniper in a window, seen it before, uh, you know, other stuff. Like the watches new, I guess, but um I did, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know if I really feel the repetitiveness when it comes to that kind of stuff, but he makes a point for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can't have everything new all the time, right? You have to have a combination of new and comfortable, right? And yeah, that's, uh, that's the secret for, uh, having something that's enjoyable. Uh, yes, we've seen all this stuff before, but not in this necessarily in this combination. And there's still, uh, there's still some drama, so yeah, he's not wrong, but he's not totally no, right either. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I think it, I, I think there is uh, there's a little wiggle room in there. So you know he's not wrong, but he's not right. Uh, there's a bit of a gray area still that you can play in. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other thing I thought of when Paul, or or when I um, was listening to Paul's message earlier. Our friend Jason over on the Walking Dead cast mentioned in their latest episode that the writers of the show were working on season 11 before AMC decided to end it. Now, I'm not, I don't know how he knows that, but I'm going to take his word for it for now. But uh, I wonder if, I wonder if they would have changed anything about season 11 and the storytelling, you know, if they'd known from the beginning that it was going to be the last season, would we be focusing on the Reapers so much for eight episodes? Uh, you know, would we be seeing episodes like defending Alexandria from a storm and things like that? Or would they kind of have got on with it a little bit more, if you know what I mean, leading towards the, the end, the big finale? I have no way of knowing, but it's just sort of interesting to think about. I, I kind of wonder if that's the case. I don't know. Yeah. If only we could tap into the multiverse and ask these questions yeah. of the ether and have the questions, uh, have the answers come back to us. If, if only, I mean, we'll have to figure that out for the, the next show we cover. I don't know, but, uh, who knows who, who really knows? Uh, anyways, thank you, Paul, for your insight and for the slower pronunciation of where you're from in Ireland, because until now, as uh, you know, I couldn't sort it out. It's <laughs> awesome. It's very good. That's good. Sligo. I got it now. Sligo. Yep. I even looked it up. Looks like a nice place. 
Uh, okay, email here from Justine in NorCal. She says, I enjoyed the scene with Rosita in the doorway after taking care of all the zombies, but how they lingered on her made me worried that she got bit. People always seem to die after their hero episode. Uh, yeah, she didn't get bit, though. No, I don't think so. And I also don't think of this as a hero episode for her. It was more of a hero scene. Uh, the whole episode wasn't about her, though, right? It's more of a when someone really comes to the forefront for the whole episode, that's when they're going to die. But I'm not worried about Rosita for now. Yeah, I think she's, she'll be fine. Agreed. All right, next we have a call from Rob. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Rob here from Oxford, UK. I've been listening to the show for a while, but this is my first time calling in, so that's pretty exciting. I just want to give my feedback on episode eight, Four Blood. Is it just me, or is the show getting a lot more tropey as time goes on? Um, I particularly the bit where, in this episode, Rosita comes back in from uh, doing her thing outside and says, uh, we, we need to stay away from the windows. I was practically expecting her to like, look, at the, look at the camera, wink, and say, I'm getting too old for this shit. That kind of thing. Uh, equally, though, uh, <laughs> I'm a lot older now than I was when I first started watching, and I've definitely become more cynical all the time, so... Maybe it's exactly the same as it always has been. Anyway, thanks for the show, guys, and uh, catch you next week. All right. Well, thank you, Rob. Uh, so is it Rob or the show? I think it's Rob. I think, Rob, you're getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> A little lethal weapon <laughs> reference there. <laughs> yeah. Start uh, chewing on onions. Didn't he start? He was eating onions to uh, quit smoking. Well, so every time he wanted to smoke, he would eat an onion. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen. I think it was like the second or third lethal weapon. Oh, was, well. Uh, I think it was the one with Joe Pesci. So that was the third. Okay. I have no idea. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I, I didn't find the scene with Rosita especially tropey. I mean, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a one-liner, right? That she, she delivered there, which is a little bit silly for sure. But uh, I think I'll allow it for the most part. I think everything that came before that, despite the slightly awkward nature of the scene, um, uh, I loved it, you know, her going out there and just kicking ass and some of the camera angles we got. So pretty cool stuff otherwise. Yep. Uh, alrighty. Next up is another email from Lamert Jan, and I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's correct, but he's from the Netherlands. So that's where my problem starts. Not with the people from the Netherlands, but, you know, from some of the names I have a bit of trouble with. <laughs> I'm glad you explained that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Uh, all right. So he says, I thought this episode was great. Action packed. A nice talking scene between Daryl and Leah. And Pope is finally dead. Nothing against the actor who played Pope, but I'm glad we won't see him in the series again. Do you think Leah is the new Pope now? Or will Leah eventually join Daryl? Or is Daryl going to kill her in the next episode? All very good oh, questions. Man. Makes me wonder what color the smoke was coming off of the uh, off of the Huacha. If it was white, that makes her the new pope. Oh, I see. Because you my Catholic reference. Uh, uh, I, I do. Yeah, when when they're uh, they're in enclave, they're in an enclave or in enclave or whatever the fuck they're doing. Uh, when they uh, when they put up black smoke up the chimney, that means they haven't chosen a new pope. But when white smoke comes up. Uh, they've chosen a new Pope. So if there's white smoke coming off the Huacha, that means that Leah is definitely the new Pope. Yeah, you're right. We'll have to check that, see what color the smoke is, because that's the only way we're going to know. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, uh, oh, but there's also, if I learned anything from uh, Angels and Demons, 
if I may spoil a Dan Brown novel turned to movie. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that movie? I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> it's the one with the... Uh, Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, Tom Hanks I and Obi-Wan Kenobi there. What's his name? Uh, Ewan... McGregor. McGregor, yeah. Uh, so you can also choose a pope by acclamation, right? It's not just, uh, you know, you be elected by whatever group of cardinals or what have you, but you can uh, you can do some something amazing that uh, just makes everybody go, yep, he's the pope. And be done oh. with it. They probably so. still put the white smoke up the chimney, though. Yeah, they could. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? But <laughs> yeah. uh, the movie was garbage. Neither you but... or I are Catholic, <laughs> although we're both married to them. <laughs> <laughs> them ones. Well, I, yeah, I would call my wife a former, but I don't know about yours. Anyways. Well, I wouldn't call her former, but uh, there hasn't been a law, uh, lapsed, I would say. Lapsed, all right. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, there's been, you know, you know, no mental uh, distancing. It's just, uh, you know, I'm sure she would like to go to church more often than she does. Right. So she maybe, wants, maybe she would like me to go to church more often than, than we do. Right. Okay. Uh, so is Daryl going to kill her in the next episode? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe. Uh, I think they have to deal with it somehow because if Leah's just out there the whole time, I mean, she can't just disappear and never show up on the show again. Uh, maybe she'll arrive at the Commonwealth and just blend into their 50,000 people. I mean, that's a lot of people to get lost in, so I don't know. I think they'll probably have to deal with it, and I think if I were to make a prediction, Leah does not survive. And is it at the hands of Daryl? I don't know. Maybe. I, I could see them doing that. Uh, so let's look at uh, the differences in uh, outlook from Leah and uh, the Pope. Uh, the Pope wanted to kill all his enemies, right? He wanted to find his enemies and kill them. Right. That was his goal. Leah doesn't necessarily agree with that. She wants to keep her family safe, uh, but she doesn't necessarily want to kill everybody else. She just wants to, she's more of a defensive uh, leader uh, and pragmatic than, than Pope. Just like, let's find everybody and kill them all because they're all assholes. She wants to keep what's theirs. Like Daryl wanted to take the food and leave, and she didn't want that to happen because she wants to protect her own, her family. So she is firing that huacha to clear out the compound in order to protect her family. But once that's done, I think that uh, Meridian can coexist with our intrepid heroes rather than uh, you know having to duke it out. So maybe Leah doesn't have to die and that the Reapers don't have to die or disband, maybe they can just become another community in this, uh, in this world. I suppose it's possible, but I'm pretty sure Maggie wants all that food and she's going to take it. So they might end up with no food or what I think is more likely even is all the Reapers are going to die. We know there's not many of them and I think it'll just be her left. So she won't have a family anymore and she'll skulk off into the woods or something like that. Or go out in some big way, you know? I don't know. I, I don't think there's going to be any remnants of the Reapers left on the show for very much longer. And however she goes down, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Now, what happens to Doc? Like, he's got to choose now. He, well, if Leah's gone, he's, I mean, he's stuck with Daryl. But we know 
Well, if Delia dies, but if she doesn't die, yeah, you know, and, maybe she'll take a dog with her and then Daryl doesn't have dog anymore. And nobody wants that. Everyone wants Daryl to have dog. Dog's awesome. I believe so. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, we have a call from Scott. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. It's Scott in Arkansas. I uh, wasn't that excited with this week's episode. I felt it was kind of meh, especially to be a mid-season finale. I didn't care for the uh, Hawacha, what they call it, Hiawatha, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, I thought with the big reveal, I just thought it was silly. I looked at it and thought a fireworks display, but okay, whatever. Uh, Leah killing Pope, that was interesting because at first I got excited thinking, okay, they're going to wrap up the whole uh, uh, Reaper's uh, uh, storyline or plotline, we can move forward, but now instead, now Leah is uh, the new Pope, I guess, so we still got to deal with the Reapers. Anyway, I don't know. I think the new, uh, next new episode is in February, late February, so I've got four months to not care about what happens with the uh, Hiawatha watch or whatever it is. Um, but one last thought, and I wanted to direct this to you, Jason, regarding uh, what's his eyebrows. That's not a saying in Arkansas or anywhere in the States as far as I know. I believe that's 100% you. I've just heard you say it enough times, and it always kind of amuses me, so I've sort of co-opted it from you. I hope you don't mind. Anyway, good job. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thanks, Scott. So I think we, we covered the Leah and Pope stuff already, but the whole what's-his-eyebrows, I mean, you're starting a thing, man. Yeah. No, there's two of us now, Scott, so uh, let's see if we can spread it around. Yeah, absolutely. Get her going. <laughs> this, is how, this is how things start. It sure Grassroots. Is. Grassroots. It sure is. So everybody out there, if you if you start using the phrase, uh, l- let us know. We want to see where it goes. And then we'll build some sort of tracking site to keep track of everywhere the phrase is used. <laughs> well, you can't track that kind of thing. Nah, right? I know. It's grassroots. It's just, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a nanchub. Nanchub? What do you call that? It's a program that's spreading. It's a virus. It's but, a It's a verbal virus that's going to spread throughout the land. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right, next we have a call from, nope, an email from Nathan in Sydney, Australia. Nathan says, when Maggie and Father Gabe crawl into Meridian through what seems to be a trash chute, Father Gabe makes a comment on how bad it smells. I couldn't help thinking this was a little funny, considering they've literally just been wearing freshly cured zombie faces. Uh, But on another note, I love Father Gabe being a ruthless bad boy with a sniper rifle. I sincerely hope that's now his weapon of choice. I agree. So that that opens a, a good question. Did they crawl out of a uh, a tunnel that was in the trash uh, of Meridian, or were they hiding in the trash? Because you said they were hiding, but I thought that they were crawling through a tunnel. But when we were done uh, talking about that portion of the episode, I think I agreed with you that they were hiding. Well, so, I don't what's know. What's going on there? Yeah, yeah. Now that now that Nathan mentions this, I think actually they were crawling through too because I think Daryl sent them that way. Remember he he said go over that way uh, towards. But they came through a door, right? Because he he uh, he broke the lock. Oh, he broke the lock on the door on the food to door. The food door. Yeah, but they came in under the wall through a trash shoot or something. I think that's what was going on there because it doesn't make sense that they were just hiding in there, but I think they got inside through this trash chute or whatever it is, right? Uh, That kind of makes some sense, at least, I don't know, some sense. 
but, you know, the comment about how it smells is a little silly considering they were wearing zombie faces a second ago. But whatever, I think it kind of explains it a little bit better, why they were coming out of the trash all of a sudden for no reason. Well, we have this wonderful ability to go nose blind for smells, right? And living in the zombie apocalypse, you must have to smell decomp or rotting people uh, all the time. All the time. Yeah. So that probably isn't a big deal anymore because it's just the normal state of the universe at the moment. But when you crawl into a trash heap, uh, maybe there's some smells there that you're not used to and that smells bad. That's probably it. Like you're, you're okay with zombie rotting flesh and stuff, but as soon as you yeah. get like some old fruit that's gone bad, like stinks, you know? Yeah, it's like smelling your own farts versus smelling somebody else's farts. You know, it's exactly what it's like. <laughs> well, yeah, there's. I have other theories about that too. Uh, you smell your own farts, and you end up smelling the farts of the people you love in your family. And that's okay. It's like dogs smelling other dogs' butts in order to get to know them. You get to know people and their fart smells. Mm-hmm. But when you fell, smell a fart that you don't know, your brain fucking kicks into overdrive. It's like shit. That somebody's around here that I do not know. And uh, it's unpleasant. <laughs> and it's not nice. Pack animals. Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. It's exactly what it's like. Thank you, uh, Nathan, for uh, for that email. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Ian in the UK. Ian writes, I live in merry little England, so I am accustomed to the weather that includes drizzle, fog, and grayness, and not hurricanes. So I apologize if this is naive of me. However, with winds that high, why did we not? why did we not see zombies flying airborne down the roads? They have all lost a lot of weight since being alive, so I imagine would be picked up without too many issues by winds that were opening windows and pushing doors through. Uh, I also think this would mean that uh, it's unlikely that walkers would remain still on the porch for very long. Yeah, I mean, high winds can blow a person around. You know, you've seen, yeah, and you've seen videos of that. trucks and roofs and trees and all kinds of shit. Yeah, exactly. So yet these zombies could just stroll down the road. I mean, we didn't really see too much of what was going on outside the house, but we were told that there were zombies like there. We saw them on the porch. We saw them reach through the window. So they weren't really being blown away. But what are you going to do? I mean, you needed some zombie threat outside and uh, we got it. Yeah, I mean, zombie, you know, you're right, Ian, the zombies would lose a lot of water weight uh, since they started rotting, right? So they'd be like, uh, they'd be light as a feather. You could pick them up and throw them around. I'm sure they'd blow around in the wind all over the place. Well, yeah, you you would think, uh, but not these ones. They were right there the whole time. Well, yeah. So who knows? Maybe they have very sticky shoes. (laughs) That's right. Why not? Anyways, thanks for pointing that out. Uh, Ian, next is a call from Ross in Ireland. Hey, Chris and Jason. How you doing? Uh, Long time listener, first time message lever. Um, I want to to share my thoughts on the the most recent episode uh, of The Walking Dead. You know the storm, right, that was was going at Alexandria, right? Here's what I was thinking. That's probably the same storm that, like, Negan and Maggie and Daryl all came into contact with when they had to go into the uh, subway train. It's probably the same storm. It was just a bit of like a delay or something because like Jason was saying, his mother gets the uh, weather like a day before, you know, it's probably the same storm. Uh, also, I was thinking about the Watcher and the likelihood that uh, Maggie and stuff probably tried to do, tried probably tried to take back this community before a few times, but we're unsuccessful. Like there was six years there. We don't know where Maggie was. So she was probably 
they probably tried a few times to get this place back or at least scare it out a bit. Um, and then they found out that, oh, wait, what are they building? Why do they have a, a firework machine, you know? So, uh, yeah, food for thought. Uh, they probably, uh, they probably, that's probably how they know that the thing is there. And also the fact that they were shocked when they saw it, they were probably just like, oh no, a, uh, a firework machine. This is bad news. I know if I, even if I knew there was a firework machine there and I saw one, I'd still have like a minute of shock where I'd say, oh, oh dear, you know, this is, uh, this is bad news. So, um, can't really blame her there. But, uh, yeah, big fan of the show. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You guys are probably one of the main reasons why I'm still watching this show because I get a lot of uh, satisfaction about hearing you guys uh, tear it apart. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, big fan. See you later. Oh, dear. A fireworks machine. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I, I think that was funny, Ross, but thank you for the call. Uh, to go back to the beginning of his call about the storm, I mean, you know, you were talking about the storm and what's the deal with the weather. And uh, yep. I feel dumb that I didn't sort of remember, okay, well, there was a storm out there. So I think maybe what we're seeing is uh, the same storm, just in different locations, right? Yep. Ross is right. You're absolutely right. I feel like I feel pretty dumb too. And uh, <laughs> Ross, it's, it's the listeners uh, like you is why I enjoy doing this podcast so much because uh, I'm an idiot and Chris, you're better, but still we miss things. Of course. Right. So this is why uh, we love the listeners and uh, why we do this show because uh, generally there's lots of people out there that are smarter than us. So well, every- this is... This is great. Everybody enhances our uh, enjoyment of of the episode with stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, intelligence and reasoning and uh, memory, paying attention, uh, and paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> you know, never underestimate paying attention. No, exactly, exactly. So, thank you, Ross, for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next we have a call from uh, Yvonne. Jason, this is Yvonne in Atlanta. I'm the cliche of longtime listener, first time caller. I've been listening to you all since probably about season seven. Um, I just want to call about two points. The first thing is, um, I think that Father Gabriel was scouting out the red truck when he went to Meridian. Obviously, like you said in the last podcast, they didn't know about the watcha on the roof and he wouldn't have been able to see the gun. So I really think you did also mention that it was kind of weird that they showed that red truck just randomly. But I think that's what they were looking for. And then the other thing was I've heard a lot of um, like reactors and reviewers on YouTube and different podcasts. So honestly, I don't remember if you all brought this up, but a lot of people really wondering why Pope was so um, obsessed with Maggie. But honestly, I really think he's just an obsessive person. And obviously he's unhinged and he knew that he took Meridian from this group. Cause even Maggie said that when they were on, when he, her and Frost and some other fighters were out, they were on their way back to Meridian. They kept getting, um, sidetracked. She, she said things kept going sideways. And I really think it was, you know, the, the, what are they called? <laughs> you know, that Pope's group. Um, and maybe they watched them for a while, scouted out the location. I'm sure they scouted out the location. So they knew that Maggie and her group were good fighters. That's why they waited till they were all gone to go and kill everybody. But I really just think that he was so obsessed with her because he knew that she was a formidable enemy and that she would probably come back. 
And I don't really think that she necessarily did anything else besides that. I could be wrong, but those were just my two points I wanted to um, point out, I guess. And um, like I said, I've been listening for a long time, for the last couple of years, and I love your show. Thank you so much for what you do. I appreciate your points in every episode. I think you have me laughing. And, um, you know, you you definitely point out things that I never would have noticed about the episode so thank you again for everything you do and i will continue to listen thanks so much bye-bye no thank you so much yvonne for listening and calling in uh so to go back there to the beginning uh father gave scouting the red truck um that makes a lot of sense right like they the truck was instrumental to maggie's plan and we saw it it was brief but we saw it uh and as we figured out last time, it's not really all that likely that they would have known about the Huacha on the roof. So he's there just to gather intel and make sure that that truck is there because they needed to bust open the gate. So I think that kind of explains it and I'm okay with it. It does. I agree. Yeah. I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then the second part of her call about Pope being so obsessed with Maggie, I I do question that too a little bit because when you think about it, the Reapers, so Maggie and her group were living there, lots of supplies, they were at Meridian, everything was great. The Reapers come along and take it from them. And then instead of just moving in and being content and, you know, (laughs) with the the bounty they have, have taken over, they're actively out hunting Maggie and her people down to kill them. That kind of makes them giant a-holes, doesn't it? I mean, it's one thing to take over a place and be on the defensive to to keep it and defend the place, but they're actually actively out there hunting her to take her down. Maybe because they're worried that they're going to turn around, like Maggie, I mean, is going to turn around and try to take Meridian back, which I guess she does, but still, I don't know. It seems like an awfully, like a really aggressive thing to do on Pope's side well maybe it's uh preemptively defensive as well like once maybe his intention was to kill everybody and maggie and a small ragtag group of rebels got away and he has to hunt them down because he knows they're coming back one way or the other they're going to come back so why have the battle why wait for the battle to be on their terms when it can be on your terms if you hunt them down to kill them yeah i guess i guess that makes some sense uh um, Yvonne also mentioned that, you know, apparently Maggie said about how they were on the road and constantly going sideways, things were going sideways as if they were being attacked or whatever. So Pope's been following them and doing them this for a while, even though at this point in the show, he has no idea where they are. But uh, I, I suppose if you want to hold on to a place, you or, or I, I suppose there's some logic behind going after your enemies rather than waiting for them to come to you. Um, but I don't know. It, it seems to me like he was just a crazy obsessed guy who couldn't just be content in what he had. <laughs> yeah. And this is why I like uh, making phone calls rather than receiving them. Not that I do a lot of either anymore, but when I used to make a lot of phone calls or when I used to have to have conversations with people in person that weren't scheduled, sure, uh, I would much prefer to make the call than to receive the call. Cause then at least it's, uh, you know, it's on my terms. It's on my, uh, it's when I feel inspired to do it. So I would try and make the phone calls that I need to do. And, you know, 
sadly, my mother has learned this about me, which is why she knows not to call. She just basically tells me, call me when you can or call me when, uh, call me soon well, kind of thing. Cause she knows that when she calls me, I'm usually busy or I'm doing something else or I'm not in a good mood to chat. But when I call her, everything's good because it's on my terms. Well, as long as you right. do call her, that's all fine. Every week, every single week we talk, uh, usually it's mostly Jasper that, uh, has the conversation now, but yeah, uh, you know, we talk every week, but it's the same thing. It's, uh, you know, and I think of uh, interacting with other people as a battle and when I need to have a battle, I'd prefer to be at, uh, for it to be on my terms rather than somebody else's terms waiting. I don't, I would much pref- prefer to act than react. Got it. If you need to talk to someone, you call them. And if you need to defend your place from your enemies, you attack them. Perfect. Yeah. Now when I, my phone starts to ring, there's a 98% chance that I am not answering that call because it's going to be either a waste of time or I don't want to talk to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm exactly the same. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, And there was a time in our, both of our lives a long time ago, probably where we like calling was the only way to communicate with someone. So you had to, and you did it all the time. Now it seems rude to just call somebody. Usually you've like set up a time or, you know, message them and say, is it okay to call? I need to chat or can I call you or something like that? But just to call somebody and expect to have a conversation with them when they answer, that's rude. (laughs) In some cases, maybe, I think, but. Seems rude to me. It's weird. We've moved into the post-call world. Yeah. I don't know why we still call fucking things we hang around with, phones. Uh, Yeah, I guess. It's just one of the things they do and. Not very often. No, not very often. That's very true. All right, who's next? You's next. I am next, and I am going to introduce a call, speaking of, from Trish. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Trish in Boston. And I just wanted to point out that I thought it was really nice that they had Judith ask Virgil if if he knew where uh, her mom had gone. So I'm kind of hoping that's a breadcrumb, but I like that they included that because obviously kids think about it and we've been kind of skirting the issue for a while. So hopefully that's for things to come. And funny, I was watching reruns and on season four, episode two, it's the first time that Michonne is kind of forced by Beth to hold baby Judith and she cries and bonds with her as she remembers her child that she lost. Um, And ironically, they were fighting their own little epidemic in the jail at that time, and people were dying, and they had to quarantine from each other. So there's that. And the whole thing with the hibachi, or whatever the heck you call it, machine that's blowing everybody up, I thought Jason would think this through more clearly. If you're going to avoid those things, you're going to run towards the building, because clearly they're going to go up in an arc and hit further out. So I'm going to guess that Negan and, or no, is it Maggie and Negan? Yeah, I guess they're going to be probably running towards the Reapers that went to the building. So we shall see. All right, guys, looking forward to the updates. Bye. All righty. Thanks, Trish. I, I I agree. I think that the Huacha, the Hibachi, would normally shoot sort of up in an arc and shoot outside the walls, which I was saying the other day. But they purposefully aimed it down in this case, yeah. right? To shoot it's more straight of a at, direct fire thing. Straight at the courtyard. Now. In this case now, yeah, direct fire. So I still think running in towards it is actually not a terrible idea because it can't it can only be aimed down so much, right? It 
in the angle mean like it's not that far off the roof it's not like it can shoot straight down the wall or something right so if you are up against the wall of the building with that thing on the roof it's not hitting you um yeah. so it's probably a good tactic to run towards it more than away from it but uh no matter what it's it's not firing in an arc at this point it's it's firing as straight down as it can i think yeah and and like i said the uh you know setting the timer of the explosions going off at the end whether they're sticks of dynamite or more black powder or what have you so you fire it it launches and then when it gets to wherever it's going it explodes right yeah but they can't really dial back the timer it's meant to be a long fire thing so they probably have it timed for uh you know six seconds something like that so when you fire straight down it's going to hit the pavement like half a second later and it's got you have five and a half seconds before it explodes and uh, it's going to skitter around and probably fly away from the building up against the walls or what have you so uh trish you're absolutely right uh running towards the building is uh absolutely your best bet you know and that could be what saves maggie and negan in that crowd the fact that these are going to hit the ground and not immediately explode. So unless they're hit by one, they might have time to get away because, I mean, Maggie and Negan aren't going to be killed off, let's be honest. So they're going to escape it somehow. Um, and that could be we're, part of it. I don't know. We're assuming they also, we're also assuming that they don't have impact triggers, right? For the explosions, like uh, regular bombs, you know, they have a, yeah, yeah. it hits whatever, it explodes or waits five seconds. So it can, if it's a bunker buster or what have you. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of uh, Hunt for Red October, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, where uh, Captain Nemo, Captain Nemius, whatever, uh, Sean Connery turns the boat towards his enemy and goes as fast as possible because then the, uh, the torpedo warhead doesn't have time to arm and it just skitters off the hull and doesn't explode. Whereas if he was trying, if he was trying to get away from it, it would have time to arm. Uh, but you only get away with that once, according to, uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Anyway, uh, Sean Connery, uh, if he did that again, it wouldn't work because the captain of the other boat would, uh, would set the timer to zero so they don't arm as soon as they left the tube. There you go. Well, you only get it like the holdo maneuver. It's a once in a lifetime thing. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, what about Trisha's comments about... Judith asking about Michonne and she called it a breadcrumb, but I think, you know, what she means is sort of a little bit of foreshadowing maybe. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more towards the end of the podcast about what sort of still has to be resolved and some storylines and stuff like that. But I think this may have been a little reminder that, you know, Michonne is still out there and guess, yeah. guess what people, I think we're going to see her again on this show before it's all said and done. And that makes me very happy. Yep. So it's absolutely a reminder. It's like when they, uh, whenever you watch a television show that has previously on at the beginning and it shows you all the things that happened in the previous episodes, every single one of those things that, that they show is going to impact the storyline of what you're about to see. Well, of course. They're not going to show you any extraneous information. They're going to show you relevant plot, li plot lines that are ongoing, not the irrelevant ones, even if they were current and might impact future episodes. They don't show you those in the previously on section of whatever television show you're watching. Right. I forget. Do the iTunes versions of Walking Dead have a previously on section? No, they don't. No, okay. The AMC Plus ones do. Uh, so we I, we get those. I get those when I watch it. 
Uh, but you're right. They show relevant stuff always. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they, they kind of drive me crazy. I don't like those previously on things. If I can't remember what's going on, I don't deserve to. You know, and in some cases they probably would be helpful because I don't remember everything. So I don't know. I'm of two minds. I hear you. All right, then. Let's keep it going. All right. You're up again. I'm up again. Sorry. Uh, all right. Good. I wanted to read this one because it's about you. Chris yeah. in the UK writes, I understand Jason's point, but I think he's being a tad oversensitive on the Maggie thing. In general, having it never acceptable for a woman to be saved by a man isn't all that much of an improvement over the days when it was always that way. In this specific situation, Maggie has been very badass, but she is up against a trained and experienced soldier. There's no shame in her losing this fight, especially when she's already shook up and probably injured to some extent from diving out of the moving truck. Not to mention her being tired and malnourished from the trip from Alexandria to Meridian. This was not Maggie at full power. I also think it is, I think it is also relevant that she was saved by Father Gabe. First off, he was specifically there to do it because she put him there. She is still the architect of her own fate. In addition, it's only a few episodes back that Maggie saved Gabe from attacking Whisperers. They are, at best, even. I would have a bigger problem with it if Negan was the sniper. I also think the placement in the episode matters. I would not want this to be how a cliffhanger is resolved or even just an ad break cliffhanger. The moment was small, and for me, at least it didn't hurt the character of Maggie. On first watch, my thoughts were more about how well she planned the attack, crediting her for Gabe being in that position. The issue is a real one, and I've not seen the Tomb Raider movie, but having that as a character introduction definitely sucks. Given the prevalence of this trope and its historical roots, maybe we should err against it, but I'm reminded about the trope of LGBTQ plus characters always being killed off. It's so common, care should absolutely be taken when deciding to kill them. But the answer is not to have those characters in permanent computer game god mode. Jason's objections certainly come from the right place. So that's Chris talking about your comments about Maggie sort of becoming the damsel in distress all of a sudden and needing to be saved. Yeah. And you know, you have, you make some very good points there, Chris, and I appreciate that. I think one of the problems that I had was I don't like seeing this thing all the time. And when I see it, I don't, uh, I was lumping this in this one incident in with uh, where I've seen this a hundred times before. And I don't like seeing it a hundred times. Sure. So uh, the 101st time bugs me. But, you know, if you take a look at it from the point of view or from the aspects of it that Chris points out here, uh, you're absolutely right. This one instance with all these points uh, highlighted here, it makes sense that uh, Maggie doesn't become a complete damsel in distress. Uh, She is absolutely not the... uh, I even forget her character's name in the second uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, uh, The Temple of Doom. She absolutely was a damsel in distress in every situation throughout the entire movie, and it's not good. Mm -hmm. But Maggie is not always a damsel in distress. She wasn't a damsel in distress first and foremost. She got into a shitty situation where uh, they needed to introduce another weapon. So there was the, uh, the situation came up where they introduced Father Gabe with the sniper rifle. Um, so 
from a storytelling point of view, it makes sense from a uh, Maggie being a good leader and putting Father Gabe there makes good sense. Uh, you know, she is fighting a professional soldier and she's hungry and she's tired, whereas this guy is well-fed, well-trained, well-armed, uh, and in a very good position to, uh, to go into one-on-one combat. So Chris, I see your point. I concede your point. Uh, I just, you know, in general, don't like to see this shit all the time. Yeah, fair so enough. I think fair. that that was I was clouding this this uh, opinion I had. Totally fair. Um, what jumped out at me the most in what Chris in the UK said was that, you know, Father Gabe was specifically there to do it because Maggie put him there. She is still the architect of her own fate, right? She planned this so well that she she gave herself the advantage by positioning him there right whether he was there to shoot someone who was attacking her or shoot somebody who was attacking somebody else or or shoot pope on the roof of a building like you know whatever he did maggie's the one who put gabe there and put him in a position to help basically and that's what he did um and that and this is why you have snipers in combat yeah right the whole point is to have somebody on overwatch uh, so that they can help in these situations where there's uh, uh, somebody's getting into trouble, they can help. And that's not, that doesn't mean whoever's getting into trouble is a bad person or a, uh, what's, what's a male form of damsel? <laughs> do we have one? Good question. I don't know if we do. Shit. Fucking English uh, <laughs> falls down in these things. Like what's the uh, uh, <clears throat> mistress? What's the male form of mistress? We don't have a good one. Boy toy? That's the best I can come up with. Drives me nuts. Stupid English. Anyway, we don't have, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a a man or a woman, if they get into trouble and there's a sniper, the sniper's going to help. Right. That's what sniper's there for. Sniper is going to help. Uh, You're right. I don't know if there is a good male version of, of damsel. It's weird. I don't know. I even I even Google it, and the first result didn't give me the answer. So, even the language we speak is sexist. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, bachelor? <laughs> Not really. Bachelor in distress <laughs> <laughs> has a different meaning. Different meaning. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, that's amazing. Thank you, Chris, in the UK for sending that in. Alrighty. Okay. Next, we have a call from Naya. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Naya from Cincinnati. Um, So this is a holy crap. Did you catch that? Well, so when um, when the Pope started talking to Daryl about the dog that he had and, you know, and when when Daryl told him, don't worry, I won't lick you. I started laughing because from what I recall, if. Norman Reedus, the person, likes people, he licks them. (laughs) And I think I caught that um, just out there. So I just thought it was really funny that basically when he said, I won't lick you, it means I don't like you. And that basically he's going to turn around and bite him at some point, you know? So I don't know. It was just like this cool character to what the person does uh, in real life sometimes. I don't know. You can double check and confirm it, but I'm pretty sure it's out there on the interwebs. Uh, keep up the great work. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Naya. Yeah, I had forgotten about this, uh, but it, it is a true thing. Norman Reedus, at least in the past, probably not r- these days, uh, was a bit of a licker. And if you search 
Google image search for that, you can find pictures of him licking everybody. Melissa McBride, Emily Kinney, Greg Nicotero, Andy Lincoln. Uh, it's all there. So he's he's a licker, and I guess they worked that into the show in this way. <laughs> That's a little odd, don't you think? Oh, yeah. It's a little weird. I, okay. Now, put it this way. Most of the pictures are of, are of him almost licking people, not actually tongue-touching face or whatever. Oh, I see. So, so it's a, kind of a, a, a lick dare. A it's little a, bit. I dare you to flinch away from what's about to happen. Yeah, that's right. Or if you really want this to happen, move your face closer to my tongue. You know, I don't know. But either way, he's he's an almost licker. And uh, I think that means he likes you. So he's not going to lick Pope because he doesn't like him. That makes sense. It does. But thanks, for Naya, for pointing that out. I think that was funny. I did not know that about Norman Reedus. Well, look this it up. This is new information for me. Go I'm not going to look it up. I believe you. I believe Naya. I believe you. No reason <laughs> to look it up. I've, as far as I'm concerned, this is confirmed. All right. Very good. All righty. We got two more emails, and I'm going to read them back to back here because they are kind of similar and asking the same thing. And uh, the first one is from Gabby in Texas, who says, what are your guys' thoughts on how the show is progressing? I know we have a lot of episodes left and a lot could happen, but at the pace the show is going now, I am becoming more and more worried that the writers are going to rush the conclusion. We have so many storylines to wrap up in such little time. Things like, will Alexandria survive? The Reapers, Michonne and the Marching People, Rick and the Boat Clue, Jadis and the CRM, the Commonwealth, Oceanside, what happened to them? I wanted to see Luke and Jules's story. So there's that. And then Michael in Ozark, Missouri wrote, so guys, what ends need to be tied up at the end of The Walking Dead? And what can be left open? Does everyone but Carol and Daryl die? Do we find out what happened to Rick, Michonne? Who do you think needs to survive and who can die? So good question. Interesting question. There are a lot of things going on right now, and we haven't had an update on certain characters in a long time. So I don't think everybody has to die. I think, uh, I think that what can happen is something will drive Carol and Daryl away from where we are. Uh, you know, everything will settle down mm -hmm. in Alexandria. They'll be healthy, happy, secure with everything tied up and uh, wonderful. And Carol and Daryl will go off on an intrepid adventure in order to achieve some kind of lofty goal. Maybe look for Rick. Uh, what happened? Maybe go look for Michonne. I have no idea what their goal is, but I think they will leave rather than having everybody else die. Yes. <laughs> or maybe they'll just have a spinoff show with uh, Carol and Daryl where uh, everybody else is a secondary character in that show. Well, I, there, I, I think you're hundred percent right. Carol and Daryl will have to leave or be forced to leave for some reason. And that's how they end up on their, their own show, uh, traveling across North America, I suppose. Uh, the Reapers, I feel like, is more or less wrapped up already. Now, Gabby would have written this maybe before she saw that episode, but I think the Reapers are wrapped up. Leah notwithstanding, they'll do something with her. Uh, Michonne, Rick, Jadis, all of those people, I believe there will be some resolution to those characters. What I'm very much hoping is that Michonne and Rick come back to the walking dead to, to finish it off. Um, that would be fantastic. I don't know what they're going to do, but I really, really hope they, they bring them back and wrap those up. 
And then the ocean side, yeah, I guess they're still out there. I agree. Luke and Jules were cute, and I want to see what happens with them. We haven't seen Luke in this season yet so far, I don't think. Um, so I'm interested in that. And I think the Commonwealth is going to play a huge role in all of this stuff. Uh, yeah. it's, it's going to be the focus of the final 16 episodes or not the focus maybe, but it's going to be the primary location, I believe, as we move towards the end here. So I do think, and I hope they're going to wrap a lot of this up. Um, but I agree with you, Jason, not everyone has to die. Some people will live. Carol and Daryl will leave, but some will die as well. Um, you know, I can't even really speculate on who at this point, but I think a core group of our main characters are going to survive to the end and ride off into the sunset in whatever Walking Dead way they can find. Okay, and here's my prediction. Okay. I'm going to now predict the end of this show. Okay. I'm going to predict that uh, Alexandria is no more. That mm-hmm. all of our uh, all of our people move into the Commonwealth, where all the situation there with the uh, what is you know not everything is as great as it seems has been resolved, and Aaron will be elected governor of the Commonwealth for the end of the show. Okay, interesting. Any reason, Aaron? I like him. Yeah, me I too. Think he would make a good leader. I can't think of anybody else that would. Uh, Father Gabe wouldn't do it. No, I don't think he'd make a good leader. No, agreed. Uh, uh, I, Father Gabe's going to die, but that's neither here nor there, um, which is too bad because he's too badass to survive the remainder of the show. I, I agree with that for some reason. I think Father Gabe will not survive to the end. Aaron taking over the Commonwealth, that's a great prediction. Like, I could see it, and you're right. He's a good character to do that. We know Carol and Daryl are leaving. Uh, who else does that leave? I mean, there are plenty of characters, right? But mo- some of them yeah. will just sort of assimilate into the Commonwealth, you would think, yeah. if indeed it, you know, r- continues beyond the end. So <laughs> Eugene will get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene will end up in some position of power at the Commonwealth, I think. Well, right? he's going to run the radio room, but he's also going to find love. I hope so. Yeah, he'll find that. That's right. He'll be the character that finds love and becomes like the chief scientific officer for the community or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I think he, the uh, the Jadis uh, Rick thing is not going to get resolved. I think that got that's got to play into the movies. I think the Michonne storyline is going to get resolved. I don't think she'll come back. Oh, she might come back. Rick is not coming back. You don't think so, eh? I don't think Rick is coming back or Jadis. I think that's going to be left for the movies. Michonne may come back, but maybe in the last episode. Uh, I'm not. I, I think she will be fine moving into the Commonwealth with her uh, with her two kids. Michonne, with her yeah. kids. Oh, yeah, with, oh, sorry. Uh, JD yeah. and uh, and uh, and Judith. Uh, RC. RC. R.D.? Uh, R.J. R.J. <laughs> yes. You were confusing me for a second there. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, well, R.C., I figured it was a remote control kid anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so R.J. and uh, Judith yes. will we'll move in with Michonne. They will find each other and be happy as a family moving into the uh, into the Commonwealth. I would very much like to see that. And I think you're right. I mean, I do feel like there's slightly greater chance of Michonne returning than uh, Rick even though I would love to see Rick come back, who knows what's going to happen with these movies, obviously. And I think I said it on our season crossover podcast um, that 
or maybe Lucy said it and I agreed, but that I would at this point way rather have Rick come back for the final eight episodes and do like a solid Rick based storyline sort of finale than even see any of the movies even made. So yeah, we I, don't know anything about the movies though. The movies are going to be fantastic and awesome and we'll kick ourselves for thinking that they were ever going to be crap. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed, man. That may be true. And they're going to kick off a whole cinematic universe of The Walking Dead. Oh, God. Uh, rather than just a television universe and a comic book universe, we're going to have a cinematic universe where for the next 30 fucking years, we're going to be going to see Walking Dead movies at the theater. Oh, my gosh, man. Well, you and I will be there to cover them till the day we die. Yep. All righty. Should I? So I, I, I don't know if I should do this or not, but I happened to go over onto IMDb and I was looking at the list of of uh, episodes for season 11 and all of a sudden I noticed that the the episodes that have aired all have detailed descriptions however episode 22 23 and 24 the last three currently have episode descriptions as well and the ones in between nothing don't do it well somebody is clearly trolling IMDB with these should I read them or not no I don't think you should do it I don't think uh I don't think anybody wants to know. Can I read? Number, I don't want to know. Can I just read number 22? It's, it's so outside the, the realm of possibility that I think it's worth reading. Yeah. Okay. So somebody will do something important and decisions will factor into the story. Episode number 22 description, according to IMDb, Daryl comes clean to Carol that he's in love with Rick and Carol agrees to help hunt Rick down. Fuck that. No, <laughs> there's no way. I mean, of cool, course, but yeah, that's a troll. Not, of that's course a it's troll. a troll. Of course it's a troll, which is why I didn't mind reading it because it's not a spoiler. <laughs> it's a troll job. Uh, anyways, 23 and 24 have descriptions as well. They sound more real. I'm positive they're not, but I'll, I'll refrain okay. from reading those. But if you want to see them, go to IMDb. I don't know how long this it's going to last on there, but I was looking at it earlier today and it was there because at some point you got to think they're going to resolve that and take those down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, good on you for doing that. That's clever and everything, but yeah, but uh, clearly it's not, not real. real. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All righty. Well, that is all of our feedback for this week. Thank you so much to everybody who calls, who writes in, who listens to us, who has anything to do with the podcast. Uh, I know many of you probably will move on and not listen during the hiatus, but just in case you do, we are going to continue to do Walking Dead stuff uh, during the next, well, every week up until December and then even over the break too before Walking Dead comes back. So if you want to continue listening, I really hope you do and uh, we'll be here. And if not, that's okay too. We'll, we'll see you when we're back in February covering the second half or the, the, the middle section of season 11. The middle half. The so middle half. The first half, the middle half, and then the last half. That's that's exactly what we've got. Now, more specifically, The Walking Dead World Beyond has been airing for a couple of weeks. Fear the Walking Dead starts, uh, I think, this Sunday, right? It's coming up, or maybe it's already started this past Sunday. Either way, it's right around now. Um, so our next podcast will be regular Monday night show, um, this coming Monday, whatever day that is, I don't know, can't do it, the math in my head. Uh, we are going to be covering the first two episodes 
of Walking Dead World Beyond Season 2. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the following Monday, we will be covering more World Beyond and the beginning of Fear Season 7. And then going ahead from there, doing that kind of thing uh, until those shows wrap up for Christmas as well. And as per usual, we're not going to be doing, uh, you know, a, a scene by scene description of what's going on. It's just going to be more discussion and review. Exactly. We, we saved the scene by scene recap for The Walking Dead Prime. These ones we just kind of talk about. And like, uh, like last year when these were on, I try to stay, keep the focus on some of the bigger things that affect the greater Walking Dead universe more so than the the details of the specific episodes, but we end up getting into those as well at times anyways, because you can't help it. Um, World Beyond, I think, has a greater influence on the Walking Dead universe than Fear does, but who knows? Who knows what will happen in season seven of Fear? Maybe we'll we'll get more about the CRM or who knows in that show, right? Yeah. Um, but that's that's how we're going to do those. So like I said, coming up next week, it'll be... Walking Dead World Beyond, because there's more of that available currently. And then following the following week, it'll be World Beyond as well as Fear. And we'll see what happens with Morgan and Strand and everybody in the nuclear apocalypse. Yeah. So there you go. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for our coverage of 11A. We're now one third of the way through season 11, which brings us that much closer to the end. I can't believe it's going to be ending soon, but at this rate, it's still about a year away. Yeah, we got we got one of the three halves done. We I don't do. know about one third, but we have one of the three halves. Got it. Fair enough. I'll I'll try to keep that straight. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, by all means, you still can. Your thoughts, your comments, your feedback, whatever. You can go to our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail and recording a message that will get sent in to me. You can send emails directly to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and I will read all of those and every once in a while I respond to one, which is exciting for me <laughs> and hopefully for you. <laughs> uh, and you can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead. Um, I have not reached out to the episode eight prize winner yet because I usually give people a few days just in case they want to listen to the episode and so on but I'll be doing that soon and I still haven't heard from um, the one before from Randall so Randall I'll try again but if you're out there uh, reach out okay that is it for now we'll see you again on Monday when we're talking about World Beyond until then everyone my name is Chris my name is Jason thanks for listening ciao